Proverbs today. You know I like to get into Proverbs. Today's the sixth, so we look at one in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 was a hard chapter because there, isn't, there aren't very many individual Proverbs. There are just groups, so here's one for you. Proverbs 6, verses 1 and 2. My son, if you guarantee a loan for your neighbor or pledge yourself for a stranger with a handshake, you are trapped by the words of your own mouth, caught by your own promise. <laughs> that scripture is one of many that tells us it's not a great idea to become a co-signer on loans. But I'm not going exp- to expand on that today, but um, if you've ever heard that idea preached before about being careful about co-signing on loans, there's a reason why you need to be very careful before you do that. Okay. You know, today is the last day I'm going to spend on the series on character. It's been six weeks counting today. So um, we're going to be on some new, fresh stuff next week. But um, let, me, let me say to you that if you haven't been here until now, uh, I've been talking about character for six weeks, and I've not been going down a list of things that we're supposed to do and thumping us on the heads with, with the Bible. I don't think that's what the Lord ever, ever expected when he said he wants us to be people of character. And in fact, history and the scriptures demonstrate that we don't have the capability, our own self-will, to just will ourselves to be people of character will get us there for a season, but it doesn't have long-term sustainability. In fact, the Lord knows that about us. He, he, he knows that something of character is something that you and I can't manufacture. And, and instead, what the Lord wants to do is to produce character through your life. He wants to do the work through your life. And uh, there, there's a lot that's, that's involved here. There's a mystical relationship that goes on between you and me and Jesus, where Jesus says, he tells us that we are to abide in him. He, there's a scripture we spent some time on a number of weeks ago about the vine and the branches, that we're just, supposedly, we're just supposed to just hang out, be plugged into the Lord, abide in him, and he's going to do some things in us that will happen no other way. And uh, in, in that, we find out that, that we're going to change, not because of willpower, not because of what you and I can accomplish, but we're going to change because we're going to have our minds renewed. The scriptures in Romans tell us that we're not to conform to the world, but instead we're supposed to become transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's, that's interesting. A renewing process, we spend a lot of time talking about renewing. It's two steps. You take off the old, you put on the new. And we spend a lot of time talking about taking off the old. We've talked about a lot of the lies that we've come to believe over time that weren't, um, they're not always so obvious to us. And then we've talked about the next step, which is renew. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Today, we're going to take a, a look at a bunch of scriptures, and I just happen to pick some that I like. It's arbitrary. And uh, I, I have an intention in my mind about the ones that I've picked. I think they cover a, a wide gamut, but there's lots more that we could have done today. And so I'm hoping that all that, that today does is kind of start you on your own journey of pursuit, of putting on the new. Because I think it's going to be different for every one of us. My journey is different than yours. And... Um, so I want to first start out in John chapter 8. The situation in John chapter 8 is Jesus is, of course, being challenged by the Pharisees. They are, the, the, the scenario is this. They've been trying to trap him. And so they put him into scenarios where he just can't seem to win. And this particular trap is they bring a woman caught in adultery to him. And they want to find out what's going to happen. And, and you may have read the story before. But this isn't part of the story. This is the background um, for today's message. And they come to him, and they want to see what he's going to do. And they ask him some questions. They're hoping that he will say something, because no matter if he says left or right, they've got a plan. 
and either way, they've got a plan of attack. So um, they ask him some questions, and the first thing he does is he just kind of ignores them. <laughs> and he squats down, and he starts writing in the dust. And then they ask him again. They ask him some more questions, and he says that famous phrase that you may have heard repeated, even gets repeated out there. It says, let he who is sinless among you cast the first stone. Then he squats down, and he starts writing again in the dust. Interesting story. Scripture doesn't tell us what he wrote in the dust. And one by one, the accusers left. Let he who is sin- sinless among you cast the first stone. It, I've, it's a possibility that he was writing their sins. <laughs> you know, I've heard that before. I think, oh, that's kind of fun. I like that scenario. That sounds pretty cool. Since I wasn't the one whose sins he was writing in the ground. But... You know, I, I, I'm guessing that the first of the Pharisees to depart were probably the wisest. The ones who instantly knew that, oh, okay, this round goes to this guy. We're not going to get anywhere with this, and I don't need to have my sins exposed. So off they go. One at a time, they leave. And then after that scenario, Jesus explains to the people who remain his relationship with God the Father. He's giving an oral defense of who he is. He's explaining to the crowd that's there his relationship with the Father, saying things like, if you knew me, you'd know the Father. If you knew the Father, you'd know me. He's saying things like this. He's doing this, or, this, this defense of who he is with this group of people. And then, he's, th- then Scripture says this. So we'll pick this up in, in John 8, verse 30, starting in verse 30. And as he spoke these words... Many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's amazing to catch that. I've read this so many times. But it said, As he spoke these words, many believed in him. People were getting saved. There were people who were not somehow not just intellectually persuaded, but something of the Holy Spirit was at work there, and they got saved. They got saved. People believed him. They just believed him. And to the people who chose to believe them, believe in him, he said those words. If you hold to my teachings, you're my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that is who that scripture applies to. It applies to you and me, believers. If you hold to the scriptures, you're my disciple. You'll know the truth, and that truth is going to set you free. Interesting, the world looks at the scriptures, the truth, and they see the exact opposite. They don't see freedom. They see restriction. They see limitations. They see judgment. They see hell. But you and I don't see that. A believer looks at the scriptures, and see, we, see, we see something that sets us free. We see something, obviously, of the character of God that, that, that gets cleared up by the scriptures. And so he says, that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We've already heard Jesus saying this, that you should, we should need to abide in him, live in, be saturated in his word, know the word, and it's going to set us free. Now, I think that, that knowing the truth is the key to change. I, I think that you can't, Put on the new until you know what the new is that you want to put on. You ever go shopping? You know, 
there's a lot of clothes on the rack, and they look pretty good on the rack, but until you've tried putting it on, I suppose, you don't really know if it's, if it, what it's going to look like. There's something about putting things on by choice before they become yours that's involved here. And I think, you know, I think let's be realistic. A lot of people in this church and a lot of people in all churches, they, they come and they go. And they become disillusioned over time because they're hoping for change in their lives. They're hoping for things that will happen. And they come to church and they do the things that they see being done and they, they're faithful in that and they work at it. But the change doesn't come in their life. They become disillusioned. And then over time they go, ah, oh, this, this doesn't work. And so they drift off. But here's, this, here's the deal. Nowhere in this book, nowhere in Scripture does it tell you that you're going to change because you go to church. <laughs> By the way, I'm not telling you not to come to church, okay? Way to go. <laughs> but it's not the attendance at church that's going to see you change. Other things happen at church that will help you with change. You'll be immersed in relationships, you'll be surrounded by the word of God, you'll worship, we'll, we'll, we'll lead you in a way here that will put you in the proximity of change. It's all real good things. But it's not church attendance in itself that changes anybody or anything. And I think, you know, I, I watched that happen. I've been there myself when I wanted to see something going on and I thought, well, if I do the right things, then I'll see the right results. And uh, whatever it is that I can do isn't really what will produce any change. I've got to be finding what the Lord will do. Some of you have prayed and attended church and you've hoped to see a change in yourself or you've, or you've hoped to see it in your wife or your husband or your kids and you never saw those things and attending just, you know, so you said, forget that, it just doesn't work. But it's, it's, it's not about going to church, it's about abiding, abiding in the Lord. Plugging yourself in to the Lord abiding there. And then the truth will set you free. But here's the deal. You have to know the truth for it to set you free. you got to know it. And you can know it at one level. You can know it at a deeper level. We all know the truth at some level here. you got to know the truth, though, to get, to get free. You know... I'm going to stop on church attendance in just a minute, but I'll say one more thing. I think sometimes, um, I, here's something else that I see happen, and I'm not pointing at anybody here, but I see sometimes people have drifted away, but then they start showing up again in church when they get children. Because they kind of, they know, they know there's something there that needs to happen in their lives, and they know there's something that's supposed to go into their kids. So they, they, they bring them, and they hope that, you know, when the kids are here, they'll get some of it on them, you know? <laughs> They bring, you know, bring the kids to church and we hope they're going to get some of it. And, and, and they do. We hope we get it all over your kids. I hope they're getting it on them at home too. And some of you are back because your marriage, you know, things have gone on in your life. And so you're hoping to get some of it on you. That's good. That's good for you to get it on you, but I want to get it in you. The Lord wants to get it in you so that he can renew you, so that he can transform you. And, you know, I can preach until I turned blue up here on messages on, on, on you know, marriage and on love and on do And you would go and really try to do those things. You're good-hearted people. You're, look, you're in the house of the Lord on Super Bowl Sunday. Way to go. <laughs> you're a good people. You, want, you, you have chosen to be in the house of the Lord. You would go and you would try to do these things. And you would succeed for a season and to a certain level you would succeed. But it wouldn't be sustainable. 
you and I just don't have the willpower to stay at it our entire lives. I mean, it's just, it's just so much work. There's only so much you and I can do. Well, I want to go beyond that, and I want to get to the place where the truth sets me free, and I want that for you today. So today, in the last of our series on character, um, I want to just uh, spend a, a little bit of time flying down through scriptures, talking about a lot of good truths, but I'm not going to go deep in any of them. I'm just going to go shallow in a whole bunch, and that's going to be the deal. Now, um, I hope you had a handout given to you on your way in the door. You should have got a handout, and if you didn't get one, wave your hand right now, and the ushers will get one to you, because um, you don't have to go to them. They'll come to you, right, right ushers? We already, if you don't have one, raise your hand. Each, each, each person should have their own. We have plenty for each person to have their own. You don't have to share or anything. Oh, good. The worship leader needs one up here in the front. <laughs> I do. I got two. You want one of mine? How come you didn't introduce me to your mom? Um, Pastor Terry, that's my mom. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. You, you, you serenaded the last guy. Okay. It was great. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about what's in your hands and, um, and where I'm hoping that this will go. There are two things. One is a list of scriptures, and it's what I'm basically going to teach from. And we're going to go down at one, two, three, four, five, and it's also going to be up on the wall. The second thing that you'll notice is a little sheet, a half sheet of business cards. Except they're not my business cards; they're the Lord's business cards. And uh, thank you very much, honey, for your um, help doing this. And so, um, what we have are these really cool, nice pre-perforated scripture cards, and I randomly picked four. You'll also notice that the back of the cards are blank. That's for the four you're going to pick, right? Okay? And you might pick them from this list, or you might pick them from someplace else that the Holy Spirit drives you. But this is a tool to help you, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of minutes. So what I'm going to suggest, though, is that as we go through this, and as you walk forward over the next days, weeks, months, and years, that you get yourself into the habit of renewing your mind by knowing the truth. And by that I'm saying that you learn to memorize Scripture. Now, I'm, I, I, Listen, I've gone to church before and I've seen somebody stand up in front and quote the entire book of John. I'm not asking for that. And I haven't done that myself. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's cool, but I'm not sure that memorizing the entire book is, 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 you know, for everybody. But I think we should have the word of the Lord buried in our hearts. There's a scripture that says, Thy word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, by the way, I have to tell you, I've, I started memorizing scriptures in the 70s, and the Bible that I had at the time was King James, so you might occasionally um, get a thy out of me, okay? Please don't judge me for it. It's just old habit, right? So I memorized something in King James, and that's just kind of the way it is. Anyway, these come apart very easily, and the, 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 here's the deal. I've tried to make this as simple for you, that you pick a couple of scriptures and tape it on the mirror and read it and recite it to yourself while you brush your teeth. You do brush your teeth, right? So you, or, or stick it on the dashboard of your car or someplace where that scripture can speak to your heart. And here's what I promise you. This word will never return void. That's a scripture, a quote, by the way. 
The word of God never returns away. You read this and you let this go into you and there will come a time when the Holy Spirit will take that and it will be the perfect tool to drill the perfect hole. Remember we talked about wrenches and drills last week? (laughs) Some of you made fun of my toolbox. Um, But these will come up and it will be supernatural in effect. It won't be just, oh, happenstance. It won't be clever. It will be an absolute visitation of the Lord with truth that will set you free. And it'll be perfect love going on in your life. Anyway, so there's four of them on there and there's four empties on the backside. So, okay, so today I want to just take a couple minutes and talk about some specific truth to deal with specific lies. At the end, we're going to have communion together as a group and then after that, we're out the door. So that's our plan for the day. So I'm just going to go rapid fire through these and you'll get to the rhythm and the pace as we go. I want to talk about the problem, the lie, and the specific truth that the Lord would give us. So um, the first, first one we got is, is an impure thought life something I think everybody struggles at some point. The lie is this. I can't help what I think about. That's what we tell ourselves. I can't help what comes to my mind. Here's what Scripture will challenge us with. It says in Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3, um, set your mind on the things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with, with Christ in God. Now, in the handout, you'll notice that some of this is in blue and some of it's in black. I've bolded it in blue for you because... If you were going to memorize that scripture, I would suggest you start with the bold part. You can go for the, the gusto and do it all if you want, but I'm trying to make this a reasonable first step for those of you who have never memorized scripture before. So set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. There's an example of the Lord saying, this is within your capabilities. I wouldn't, wouldn't call you to do this. Here's another one. The, the problem, the, the, the character weakness that we have is failing to accept responsibility. You see that? Sometimes you'll see this happen in the world and you'll find someone who wants to explain why the circumstances that happened to them justify their choices. Sometimes people have, have, um, have become a victim of something and now their victimhood is producing in them license to do something that morally they ought not to be doing. And that's not, that's not right. So accepting responsibility. Here's the lie behind that. The lie behind that is that there are no consequences to sin. Somehow I can do these things, or it's explainable, or that there won't be any downside to the sin. Here's the specific truth, James 1, especially verse 15, but starting in 14. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Here's the deal about that, what that scripture tells us, is that every single sin is tied to death somewhere. Now that sounds extreme, (laughs) but it's true. When we sin, something somewhere dies. Some of us have, some of us have killed marriages one stab at a time. Some of us have set things into motion that if the Lord does not revive them, they will die because of the sin that we've put upon them. Sometimes it's just imperceptible, but it's there. Okay, next one, dishonesty. The lie behind dishonesty is that I lie because I'll look better. Okay? If I paint a different scenario than the truth, that other scenario, if it's accepted, makes me look better than I would otherwise look. Or it gets me someplace I want to go, so we justify the lie. The specific truth is this, Colossians 3, 9 says, Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Unforgiving. 
if we don't forgive people, here's the lie. I don't think I can forgive you. I'm so hurt and so angry. Or you don't deserve to be forgiven. Or if I forgive you, it gives you, it teaches you that it's okay to hurt me. I mean, we go through these mental gymnastics of all of the reasons that make sense. If I forgive you for the way you've treated me, you'll do it to me again, and it hurts too much. So I've got to stop you from doing it, and I'm going to do that by not forgiving you. There's lots of scriptures on this one, and I'm going to give you two for this one. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. The next one is just a little bit more potent. Mark eleven twenty six. but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I had a circumstance in my life, and I mentioned this a week or two ago, where I was very deeply hurt. Very deeply hurt. And when someone who was close to me knew, um, knew my hurt, but also wanted to help me, he looked me in the eye and he said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? And he was wanting to know all kinds of things, but he was really wanting to know what was going on in my heart. And before I could really even get my arms around what I was feeling by way of pain, this scripture came to mind. I knew in my mind and in my heart that if I would not forgive this deepest wound, that I got a problem now with God. There now is something of forgiveness withheld. Scripture says that if we won't forgive, neither will our Father in heaven forgive us. It's pretty major. And so before I knew how I would forgive, before I knew how I would journey through my pain, before I knew what the downsides and the upsides and how what was going to happen in the relationship with the person, before I knew any of that, I already knew that I was choosing to forgive, although I didn't know how I was going to do it. And by the way, that doesn't take away any of the pain. When you have been hurt by someone, choosing to forgive them doesn't fix your pain. Just in case you hadn't discovered that already, I thought I'd point that out to you. You know, and if you're having a problem forgiving, if you have a problem to forgive, you're probably really angry at somebody for something. I don't want to do nickel psychology up here. But, but refusing to forgive is usually tied somewhere to anger. And uh, we're going to talk about anger in just a minute or two. Here's the, here's, there's one hidden lie, though, this hidden lie that says we can't forgive. I want you to know you can forgive. Every single one of you has it in you to forgive because you're a forgiven person. It's down in there. Okay, next one, gossip, destructive talk. The lie is, well, I didn't really mean what I said, or I was angry, or I was venting. You know, um, <laughs> when you raise children, and um, they get to the point where they can say things that will hurt you, you know what I'm talking about? Not the stuff that, you know, when they're children and, and they, you know there's issues there. And <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they can say things and they know it will hurt you because there's a power... Sh- Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay. I, I don't want to name names because it happens to be that all three of my children are here today. I wouldn't name names anyway. <clears throat> They're all squirming right now. <laughs> but it's safe. There was a time when one of them said something really hurtful to my wife, their mother. But I put it in that 
order because first off, I believe scripturally her highest office other than daughter is wife and then mother. Those are the priorities that scripture would lay out for, for her. And I've got my priorities that are similar. They're gender switched, but she's my wife before she's their mother. And there is something really protective in me. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's like a bunch of plutonium that's got these control rods just at the right level. Pull them up too much and the heat goes, you know. And um, it's just true about me. I'm very, very protective of my bride. I call her, she's my bride. 35 and a half years. I do the math right, boy. That better be right. I said at church. <laughs> and one of them made this statement about her that was really hurtful and untrue. And I, my anger just went, oh. And I pretty much cornered this child, you know, nose to nose, almost one of these things. What did you say that that was not true? Da, 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 da. And I was pretty intense. And um, I think the child at this point was teens. And I was angry, and I wanted to react in anger, and it was in me. But the Holy Spirit brought this scripture to my mind in those moments. And um, it was this. Matthew fifteen eighteen says, But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Here's the background on that scripture. There's this argument about Jesus between him and, well, the Pharisees are arguing with him again. And they're saying, Don't you realize that your disciples eat without doing the ceremonial hand washing. And Jesus basically says to them, don't you know that it's not what goes in that defiles a man, it's what comes out? Because what goes in passes through, but what comes out of a man's mouth has come from his heart. I'm paraphrasing, okay? So that's scripture, because I had read it and decided to embed it in my soul sometime earlier in life. Here I am in this heated moment with this child. And the Lord says, okay, Terry, you can do better than anger here. We're going to get to anger, by the way. It's down the list. You can do better than anger here, Terry, because there's something deeper at work here in your child. And so in my anger, I heard these things being said to me. Oh, I didn't really mean it. I was just blah, blah, blah. And I said, hold on a minute. You said it. I know, but I'm telling you now I didn't mean it. I said, but you said it. Scripture tells me that it came out of your heart. And I took them right to this scripture. And I could see the truth in those moments, getting in there and doing something of life in that little heart. And I said, you said it because there's something in your heart. There's something in your heart that isn't as clean. There's something in there that's darker than it should be. There's something in there that's not as hope-filled or believing because your mother loves you. Don't ever talk about her that way. And by the way, the more important issue now is for you to figure out what's going on in your heart that, that the Lord needs to work on with you. It was amazing. And I want to tell you this. I saw it happen in the child. I saw the Holy Spirit go to work. I saw the change happen because there was a receptive heart to it. Anyway, so that's the specific truth. When you hear yourself saying things about people, don't poo-poo it. 
Don't just blow it off and say, well, I was upset and I was venting. Instead, that's the moment when you, hear th- when, you, when, you, when you hear yourself saying something about someone and it gets into your ears and you perceive what you're saying, that's the Holy, and the Holy Spirit goes, did you just hear yourself? That's the time for you to say, ooh, forgive me, Lord. Show me my heart. Show me my heart. I don't care what the other person has done. I mean, I care. But don't, that's not the issue. The issue here is what's come out of your mouth came from your heart. There's no escape valve on that scripture. Okay, let's keep going. Um, six, pride, the lie. Here's pride. The problem is pride. Here's the lie. Hey, I think I'm something. Oh, and by the way, I know you're something too, but I'm more something than you are. <laughs> so I make a point of pointing out my, uh, my accomplishments. I get really defensive sometimes because I can't be wrong. That's what pride does to us. It makes us want to point out to people our strengths and why we're right and why we can't possibly be wrong. Here's a specific truth from Jeremiah Jeremiah 9, verse 24. If you want to boast about something, you should boast that they know and they understand me because my love is constant and I do what is just and right. These are the things that please me. I, the Lord, have spoken. If you want to brag about something, if you want to have pride in something, have pride in your relationship with the Lord. Not your religious demonstration but have pride in your relationship with the Lord. If the problem is selfishness, number seven, the lie is this. I got my deal, and my deal is more important than your deal. That's what selfishness is all about. The specific truth to combat that is Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, there was a point in our marriage where we were kind of at each other a little bit more than we should have been. (laughs) I'm being charitable with myself when I describe it like that, okay? (laughs) And um, so... We went to a godly couple that we knew would love us to kind of help us get our little wheels on the rails properly. Happened to be Ken and Linda Spriggs. Know them? (laughs) We love Ken and Linda. They pastored here before, for those of you that don't know. Um, Anyway, and, you know, Pastor Ken, who was a friend at that point and was leading us also in a small marriage group, um, gave us homework. And this scripture was one of them. We were to read this out loud to each other every day. We did it for a long time. We still do it occasionally. But this scripture is really good if you have selfishness issues. And by the way, that's, that's pretty common, especially in young men in new marriages. Just Sorry to guys to pick on you, but that's the way it is. Okay, um, n- number eight, I can't change. We say to ourselves, I can't change. And the lie is that I'm always going to be this way because my mother was this way or my father was this way. I'm just, that's just the way my family has always done it. That's, I'm not going to change. The specific truth is this, and this has been the theme of our, of our whole time on character. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anger and revenge. The lie is, well, they deserve what they're getting. They deserve it. Here's the thing about revenge. When revenge is involved, it's always paired with anger. The specific truth is this. James 1, 19 and 20. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. Did you realize that's in the Bible? Human anger never achieves God's plans for you or for anybody else. 
Your anger won't fix anybody. I mean, I get, I, sometimes I know my anger gets a little out of control. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's not where it ought to be. And I know that there's times when, when passions run, you know, you get these animated discussions and we have a tendency to get more animated with the people that we're closest with, that we feel more at ease letting go. And here's the deal. I know there have been times where I felt like, okay, I've made my point, and now my, my, um, my thermometer is a little higher than it needs to be, and that's okay with me because I'm kind of wanting to underscore the point. I'm wanting to emphasize the point. The problem is that philosophy doesn't work. Scripture says that your anger won't ever accomplish that. I've got to stop doing that. Is it okay if I'm transparent with you? Listen, I'm not this raging madman. I don't want to paint that picture. But, but you know, that's the thing about our anger. Sometimes we're anger and it's righteous and yet loving. And then you can cross a line and now it becomes caustic and hurtful. That's what I'm saying. Don't go over there because it doesn't accomplish what you think it will. Course speech. The lie, I can't help what I say. You know, I've joked with you before here about what happens at my house if I do plumbing. And I'd like to tell you that, well, I'm sorry, but the plumbing causes me to say blue words. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I get really frustrated when I do plumbing. I've told you that before. It's, there, it's a finesse deal. Plumbing is a finesse deal. You've got to get it just the right tightness. Not tight enough, it's going to leak. A little bit too tight and it breaks, right? And the difference, the difference there is... It doesn't exist. There is no difference there. You know, it doesn't matter for me. And so I, I believe that's true anytime I do any plumbing and I just get frustrated. But I don't have license to have coarse language because I'm frustrated. Anyway, I can. Here's a specific truth. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. <laughs> Wow. Imagine what would happen if in your household that is the only kind of talk that was ever repeated. Or imagine if that was the only thing that ever happened at the school you attend or where you work. You know? Okay, imagine. Um, Okay, 11, materialism. The lie is this. We're waiting for the if only to happen or we're waiting for the as soon as to happen before we can step out in faith and trust the Lord. Specific truth is Proverbs 30, verse 8. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much to, and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. You know, we probably don't pray that scripture very often. We don't want to say to God, only give me what I need for my daily bread. We'd like to say, hey, Lord... It'd be okay with me if you wanted to drop the next lottery-winning ticket on my, my doorstep. We'd like, we'd like the Lord to really feather our nests nice and soft, right? <laughs> well, I do. I mean, I'd like the Lord to. And so this prayer is kind of scary. In fact, you know, there's something about, if this prayer is a little bit scary, it could be a signal that there are areas of your heart that you just haven't quite given over lordship to Jesus. Because 
you know, your prayers might sound, if, if that's true, your prayers might sound like this. Okay, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. And it, if you want to bless this, it'd be really okay. But if you don't want to bless it, just forget that I called. Okay, if you're not going to bless what I'm going to do, forget that I called. And, and if you're going to interfere, please, don't interfere. Go interfere somewhere else. And uh, by the way, if things go wrong, I'll give you a call. <laughs> that sounded more cynical than it. So we, wow, what a challenging prayer. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me riches, but give me only my daily bread. There is something of real faith that's in the middle of that prayer somewhere. Anyway, okay, next one, number 12, authority. Here's the lie. If I don't like the rule, I don't need to keep it. If I don't like the person who wrote the rule, I don't need to keep it. If I think the rule is stupid, I don't need to keep it. You know, I make that judgment most of the times at a stop sign, you know? And the rationalization goes, I'm, listen, I'm not going to harp on you about stop signs. But the rationalization is funny there. It's like, okay, well, the intention of the person that put the sign was just to keep me safe. And I'm perfectly capable of making my own assessments about when it's safe for me to go and whether I need to come to a complete stop. And so I'm just going to go ahead and slide through this one. Look, see, proved it. I'm safe, right? So I didn't really need to. There is a, a pathway sometimes that I take in the city of Olympia where... Um, at one point, it was a straight shot, and cars would kind of speed there. So they installed a bunch of traffic calming devices. They call them traffic calming devices. You know what I'm talking about? Every so, <laughs> every so often, there's a stop sign, and every once in a while, there's a roundabout, and then there's these other little things like this. I call them all chicanes, okay? <laughs> anyway, it's not good, um, because I don't think it slows me down. <laughs> It becomes more of a challenge. It's like a video game. <coughs> and it's not really right. <laughs> okay? But here's what the word says, Romans 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Wow! You know... We live in an increasingly polarized political environment. And the thinking in both of our major political parties, I'm not going to get into politics here with you, I'm talking about spiritual situation here. The major thinking in both political parties is that there are so many of us that feel this way. We'll just bide our times, wait till this guy's gone, and we'll get somebody in there that we really do want to follow. In the meantime, we're going to make life difficult for this guy to lead me because we're just not going to give leadership over. Listen, I don't know what happens to you on election day, <laughs> but I get stretched. I get the living daylight stretched out of me by this scripture. Because <laughs> I just don't want to be submitted to authorities that I really don't respect. And I'm not just talking about the President of the United States. I'm not talking about our specific current President of the United States. I'm just talking about people that I don't understand why the Lord has allowed them to take office. It happens all over the world. Anyway, it says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And I don't want to go there. Number 13, stewardship. The lie is this. If I give to God, I'm going to have less. Also, I'm better able to keep, take care of myself than to trust God with it. 
Here's a specific truth, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to contain it. Now listen, I've been here for five or six months. haven't had a sermon on tithing. You haven't heard me talking to you about giving. I'm not trying to get into your pocket. But I believe this. I believe that the last biological nerve that human science will ever discover is a hidden nerve that goes right between the heart and the wallet. (laughs) And um, there is just something about us controlling our money that is the last battlefield of faith sometimes. And there is an entire level of freedom that comes to people in the middle of the worst recessions. It comes to people who have learned that their provision comes from somebody who loves them enough and wants to take care of them. And there is a huge step of faith that's required there. And this is the one place in the whole scripture the Lord says, look, I know you need something here, so why don't you go ahead and try me out? Why don't you go ahead and give me a test here? You can just lay this test on me and you're going to find out that I'll pass. The only place in scripture you'll see that. Okay, stewardship. Next item, 14. Here's another one, relationship with bad influences. The lie is that, I, hey, I can handle this. I can, I can take on the peer pressure, the bad influences. The specific truth is Proverbs 13. He who walks with wise, my, wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. This is a terrific scripture for you to teach your kids. Our children, Lisa and I, approach the issue, should they attend public schools, should we homeschool them, what do we do? And we approach that prayerfully every year, and we were willing to do whatever the Lord pointed to us. And year after year, the Lord said to us, public school, public school, public school. So that's where they went. And I will tell you this, and it wouldn't have changed. This wouldn't have changed had they gone anywhere else. Every single day, there has never been a day that they went off to school that we weren't praying over them before they went. Every single day. And what we prayed about was this scripture. We said, Lord, surround them with people, God, that they can influence rather than being influenced by. Let them, Lord, be surrounded by people who will bring them closer to you, not divide them from you. Anyway, teach your children to pick good people to associate with because the companion of fools will be destroyed. The people you surround yourselves will determine the quality of your life. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's just really good to be in the house of the Lord. Next one, having a bad attitude or a bad outlook. I'm not talking about before you got your cup of coffee, right? Okay, okay. But, but people who just generally can have attitudes. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, all of us can go there sometimes. The lie is this. I can never think like Jesus. Scriptures, there's lots of uh, challenges to that. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to describe some thoughts. But the point is this. Your mind can be just like the mind of Christ. What an amazing possibility. Faithlessness. This will be the last one. The lie is, I can, all I can do is that all I can do. God understands me, he knows me, and he'll be happy with what I can produce. But here's what Hebrews 11:6 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As you go through life, and you set your goals, you're thinking, oh Lord, I'd like to find myself married to a man who will provide for me. Or, I'd like to step out in faith and go on the mission field. Or, I'd like to 
just open my house up to my neighbors that I haven't met, and all I'm going to do is feed them and be light and life to them. I'm not even going to try and tell them the gospel story. But you haven't done it because you're not sure that you can succeed. Here's where this scripture comes into play. You should only be setting goals that you can't succeed in, that have to involve the Lord. Because then you're moving into the arena that this, that this scripture talks to. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you realize if you go through life and you only set your sights on the things that you know you can do, you can't please God that way? Because he already knows what you can do. He wants you to see what you can do if you do it with him. Now, um, I'm gonna, we're going to move on because we're going to run out of time. I want to do communion. don't want to forget that. So the deal with the cards is this. I've given you a list of scriptures. I've given you four. I just picked four and I stuck them on there and I told you before what they're for. But as you spend time in the word of God and some simple scripture comes to you, write it down and use the backside. But put these, use these as tools. That's all I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to make this easy for you. But I'm, I'm nudging you forward. Okay, four steps to how to handle the specific truth as you discover it. One, learn to speak the truth out loud. So, I say to myself, oh, but without faith it's impossible to please God. I can tell you how many times as a leader of leaders in the body of Christ, and they were talking about some new ministry venture they were going to try and, and step out on, and they would set the boundaries someplace that they knew they could succeed. Success is good, by the way. We like success, right? And they knew they could succeed. I never let it go there. Because I, I want to teach this scripture, and I quoted this so many times, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what are you going to set, what's, what are the boundaries you're going to stretch to that you can't succeed unless God gets involved? Let's talk about there. And the goal becomes something completely different. And then when the miraculous happens, God gets glorified. It also feels pretty good at our end, too, when you see the things. It's like, here's an example. When, when, when the Lord put it on our heart last December to give food away to people in our community, Right? Pretty, you know, there's a lot of need in our community. We can't feed everybody. So what are we going to do? Well, a church with regular attendance of 140 or 150 people on a weekend, um, maybe we give away 50, give away enough to feed 50 families. That's a lot of food. And... That felt really stretching. You know, when we set numbers, we were talking first 30, 40 families. And I think we ended up giving away something in the neighborhood of 60 or 70 families. I don't remember what the number was, Jan. 60? And at one point, though, we, we were saying, you know, we're willing to give away 80. I can't remember. We were going kind of crazy. We specifically set numbers higher than we knew we could accomplish. And we accomplished way much more than we planned. And the, the night of the food giveaway... Our desire was just to, to, to give food to people and to pray with them. Every single family who got food, let us pray with them. These are people from our community, people who don't come to the church, many or most of them, people who have nothing to do with God, but they were willing to let us pray with them. That was way bigger than the food. Anyway, it was because we believed something bigger than what we could accomplish on our own. Speak the truth out loud. Second thing is personalize it. I'm going to take every thought captive. You learn the scripture and you say, I'm going to have faith. Get into the habit of praying your truth. This, this is something that when you say your prayers, if you've memorized some of these scriptures or even segments of them as you're working, include those things in your prayers. Do that with your kids. 
Listen, you have a terrific opportunity with your children. And what I don't want to do is in 10 years, have you come up, show up, say, hey, my kids have gone wild on me. I don't know what to do. And I'm going to, first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well, you know, did you pray with your kids? And, and if you didn't, don't tell me because it'll be too much for me to bear, okay? You got to do this. I mean, you have to take the opportunity you have with your children. They're available to the things of the Lord. Pray the scriptures into their hearts. They will learn them. And then for you personally, meditate on it. You know, just in just a couple of minutes a day. Now I sound like a TV commercial. In a couple of minutes a day, you can find the word of God burrowing into your soul. You know, my first thing when I get in the car is to turn on the radio and start listening to either country music or talk radio or whatever it's going to be. And sometimes I know the Lord is saying, stop it. Quiet yourself and spend some time in the Word. And so I do whatever as I'm driving instead of what I was going to do, and I let those. So just take a couple of minutes to do that. You know, the Lord wants to renew you. The Lord wants to renew you. The Lord wants to renew you. It's almost like he stands in heaven and says, can I make this any easier for you? I'm going to do the work. I'm going to help you strip off the old. I'm going to help you understand the lies. And now I want you to absorb the truth. Hey, look, and even your pastor, and I even sent you a pastor and gave you perforated cards, okay? Can I make that much easier? I don't know. So I want to pray over you, and then we're going to receive communion. In fact, I may, maybe I better ask for the communion team to come up and be ready because I've gone a little bit long. Lord, thank you, God, that your loving and gentle heart wants to shape character in us, not by hammering us with a list of things that, to do that, Lord, you know we we, we can't have long-term success at, but instead, Lord, that you want to help strip from us old things and instead build into us new, fresh truth, things that will set us free. I want to thank you, Lord, for earlier visiting us today and bringing something of perfect love. And that, Lord, that the absence of fear feels good. I pray, Lord, that that will be sustained, and by faith I claim it for us and over us in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that something of life would spring out of your word, that as your sons and daughters in this place now would just make a decision to purpose themselves to spend extra moments, even if it's just moments in your word, that God, you would help us to learn, help us to learn the word that it might become embedded within our hearts so that when the moment comes and the temptation comes, that a very specific, it is written, will float to the surface of our soul and defeat the lies of hell. I pray, Lord, for encouragement in this place. I pray for, I want to pray, Lord, too, for healing and wholeness. Lord, as we now would consider your last night with the disciples and we would consider, Lord, what you were facing in those moments and your scriptures tell us, God, how much you longed for those moments with them. We thank you, Lord, for what we're about to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go ahead and pass the elements and, and hold on to them as they come? I want to explain to you what's, what's going on here. Um, communion is one of the very few religious ordinances that the Bible tells us to do. They include marriage. Hey, thank you. I think that the worship team has already had communion. Yeah, thank you. Um, the ordinances the Lord has given us are marriage, baptism, communion, is something the Lord told us specifically to do. And here's what scripture says about that night. It was the night before Jesus was being betrayed. And he had them together. And he was basically explaining to them what was going to happen to him over the next couple of days. 
And he said, you know, do this and remember me. He said, there are a couple of things that have gone on. First off, my body is being laid down as a sacrifice. It's going to be broken for you. You need to appropriate. You need to take upon you and receive the benefits of that. You need to receive healing when you need it. You need to receive renewal when you need it in your body. And the second thing the Lord did was he pointed out the new covenant of his blood. Up until that moment, people had a list of religious traditions and commandments, things that they had to do to keep themselves right with God. And Jesus said, no, now there's a new covenant. All of those things that you had to do now are replaced by what I've done. I want to say to you, church, if you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, that's what communion is all about. This is an open testimony of a decision you and I have made to say, yes, I've, I realized the Lord came for me and he is my Lord and Savior. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Why else would you want to receive communion? So when you receive communion, you are testifying saying, I've opened my heart to the Lord. I want to pray for people who need a physical healing because I would like just I think the Lord wants to do healings today if you have faith for healing or a need just I'm not going to ask anybody to move out of their seats but would you just stick your hand up in the air and down so that I can pray with you God, God bless you okay they're all over here okay Lord thank you for your love for us but you saw the testimony of faith Hands went up all over this room. God, I ask you to sweep through this place with healing in your wings. Lord, your word says that the effectual, fervent prayer of those in right standing with you avails much and that where two or more are gathered and agree in prayer, according to your will, it's done. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask for healing to to sweep through this place. Lord, without the list of what's to be healed on my lips, they're all upon the palm of your hand. And as you look at the list, Lord, we ask for you to turn that hand over and dispense with the healing in the name of Jesus. The Lord, you would sweep through this place right now with wholeness and life and health. Church, keep your eyes closed. If you want to open your heart to the Lord before you receive communion, you've never done it before, it's the thing to do. Let me agree with you on that. Would you just look at me and let me know and let me, anybody want to open their heart to the Lord right now before we receive communion? Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name. If that's you, just give me a little hand wave. I don't want to miss you. So Lord, we thank you, God, for your broken body, for the price you paid, for the love was immeasurable. Go ahead and receive the bread. And Lord, for a plan to retrieve us that we otherwise could have never accomplished, we thank you, Lord, and we receive it now in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and partake. Can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, bread.
precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with us now? Let's sing it. What can wash away? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. Oh, precious is the flow. Precious is a flow. Oh, precious is a flow that makes me white as snow. No other I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, church, as you go out this week, I just pray that you can stand on the word that the that you've received this morning. Stand on the blood that was shed for you at Calvary. And I know that the Lord will enable you to do everything you need to do. I love that word Pastor Terry shared this morning. It's not something our brain actually has to grasp, but it's something we just have to receive in our being, our heart. And faith is that tool that we use to receive that. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you all. And go Packers. What can wash away? What can wash away my sin? Jesus